Good morning, Chapel Hill. Uh, it's really great to see you, especially on a gorgeous morning like this. You know what I pray for every Sunday, don't you? Have rain. Yes, I pray for rain every Sunday. And so the Lord did not answer my prayers this weekend. Uh, I was glad for this because it really allowed us a chance to get a lot of work done in our yard. But for those of you who on this glorious day chose to show up and to worship God as the starting point of celebration of this great day, I thank you particularly and I thank the Lord for you. It's good to see you. I have a shed that I love. Many men love their sheds, and my shed has a door, and my door has a latch. You might be familiar with this kind of a latch. Uh, It is the sort that locks automatically when the door is closed. (laughs) You're so easy. (laughs) So I was working in my shed the other day, and a gust of wind caught the door and shut the door, and the, the latch worked just as advertised. And I was locked inside, and, um, and I believe my wife is actually losing her hearing, <laughs> because I stood in the dark, I have no electricity in my shed, I stood in the dark screaming for Cindy. I can shout loudly, my children will attest to that fact, I might as well have been screaming into my pillow, because there was nothing. Then I remembered that I had prepared for just such an eventuality. I had drilled a hole from the outside to the inside. I strung a string through that hole. I tied it to my latch so that if one was caught in one's shed, one would be able to free oneself from that shed. I pulled on the string. It broke. (laughs) So there I stood, trapped like a rat, screaming until I was hoarse, wondering how long it would be before my beloved wife would notice that I had not shown up. It finally gripped me that it would probably be my unborn grandchildren who would discover my skeletal remains. (laughs) And so I finally did what I didn't want to do. I put my shoulder to my beautiful door and broke my beautiful latch right off. Yes, that's the way I felt too. (laughs) I like my shed. Most men like their shed. But sheds are not for staying inside. Sheds are for equipping us for the work that needs to be done outside. Two years ago, the elders said, the church is not made for staying inside. The church is made for equipping us to move outside. And so we launched what we called Beyond These Walls. It was a giving initiative. And our dream was to eliminate the remaining $5 million of debt to free up about $600,000 a year. And the vision was for us to move beyond these beautiful walls, kind of to burst out the doors and out into our region as never before. It was not your typically sexy campaign for those of you who weren't here, because at the end of the day, we were going to have a, we're not going to have a big building to show for it, a nice new ribbon cutting ceremony to celebrate. It was very outwardly focused, very other focused. And honestly, I did not know how you would respond. But wow, did you respond. You loved the vision of busting out our doors and moving out into our community and into our region like we had never done before. You loved this idea. Beyond These Walls was the most successful giving initiative that we had ever had. And on this two-year anniversary, it deserves to be celebrated. So if you are new to us since then, you have a chance to listen in on what God has been doing. This morning, I have two big celebratory announcements that I want to share with you. One now and one later on so that I hold your attention throughout the rest of the sermon. (laughs) 
So as a reminder, two years ago, how much debt did we have? $5 million. As of this weekend, with one year yet to go, that number stands at $1,891,000. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of your generosity, and I'm so glad to be able to have a one at the beginning of our debt, aren't you? It's just wonderful. And so although we are yet one year away from paying off that last dollar and burning the last of our three mortgages, your elders are doing, laying plans. We need to be laying plans for this great resource that is going to be freed up. And so we are, just for the fun of it, in these next couple of weeks, going to share with you some of the exciting things that are already taking root in our congregation and in the community as, as, as we are moving towards that great day. And this morning, I want to, uh, to uh, kick it off by returning to Mark chapter 4. We moved into the last part of Mark for resurrection season, and now we're going to come back to where we left off. So if you want to, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. You'll find a Bible in your pews and listen to this important parable, what Jesus actually says, if you don't get this parable, you don't get any parables. So that's how important this parable is. Verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain." And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. This is the largest single teaching uh, that Jesus offers in the book of Mark. Other gospels are Mark teachy. Matthew is, Luke is, John really is. But Mark is more action-oriented. But this and one other place are the two largest sections. And in fact, we've actually only looked at half of this. Because later on in chapter 4, Jesus takes his disciples off to the side and explains this to them. He explains how the soils represent various ways in which people receive God's word. He, he talks about the, the pathway, where, uh, which represents those who are under spiritual attack. The seeds fall there, and before they have a chance to take root, the devil comes along and snatches it up. He talks about hard pan, where the, the roots go down quickly, and they grow up in, initially quite exuberantly, but when the pressures of this world come in, the sun scorches on them, their roots just wither. And he talks about that soil where the seed falls that's full of thorns, full of brambles. And so it's trying to grow up, but the cares and the distractions of this world just choke it out, and so there is no harvest whatsoever. And then, of course, he talks about the fertile soil, where there is a great, bountiful harvest. Many of you have had building projects, and at some point you had to have a soils test done, right? Right? 
that often when you hear a sermon on this text, it is really kind of a spiritual soils test. Because each listener is urged to assess how fruitful they are, how productive they are as soil. You ask yourself, am I that pathway that's covered with demonic birds? Or am I the, the, the soil that produces wimpy little uh, roots? Or am I the soil that is getting choked out by the cares of the world? Or am I that fruitful, bountiful soil that yields this great harvest? And, and there's nothing wrong with asking those questions from this parable. Doing an honest assessment of our own fruitfulness as followers of Christ, that's a good and worthwhile thing. The problem is it misses the p- main point of the parable. We call this the parable of the sower. And the constant in every part of this parable is the sower. And one other thing, what? 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 Yes. The seed. Jesus is going to later define the seed. He tells us later on that it's the word. And when he uses the word word, what Jesus means, it's the gospel that he has come to impart to the world. This good news that God loves the world and has sent his son to save it. This good news that no matter how far away you are, you're not out of the reach of God's love. And that if you respond, if you surrender, if you are sorry for your sin and want him to take care of you, he will do the trick. That is the good news. When Jesus uses the word, word, that's what he means. And in this parable, the word is the seed. And how is it that the seed is distributed in this story? Well, we are told that the sower places the seed very carefully in equidistant piles in a nice straight line so that he would not waste a single one of the seed because seed is expensive And seed is limited, and so he is very frugal in how he does that. Right? No, not right. We are told that the sower sows this way. He sows generously. He sows extravagantly. He sows liberally. He sows lavishly. He sows prodigally. He sows wastefully. That is how the sower sows. Now the manager of that, of that ranch, might, that farm might say, wait a second, you, you need to be more frugal. This, this senseless uh, cascading of indiscriminate uh, seed flinging is wasteful. You'll notice that three quarters of the soil types are inhospitable to the seed. And, uh, and so that's not very good odds. And that, that frugal manager might say, you ought to be more cautious, more frugal about the way that you plant this seed. It's precious. But the sower is not interested in frugality. He's interested in casting the seed into every corner of his land in hope that something great might happen. Because, and here is the main point of this parable. It is God's harvest It is God who brings the harvest. This is the work of God. He says 30-fold, 60-fold, even a 100-fold harvest. The only way you ever got a 100-fold harvest, which was miraculous, is if there was a God hand upon that, blessing it all. The job of the sower in this parable, then, is not to play it safe. 
It's not to play it close to the vest. The sower's job is to throw caution to the wind along with the seed and then just watch what God might do. So who is the sower? Thank you for that hand. Well, you have one sower in the church? You are all the sowers. Obviously, Jesus is the sower, always the safe answer. But beyond that, you are the sowers. Those who love Christ, who feel compelled to share this incredible news with their friends, their family, you are the sowers. This parable is a call for the people of Jesus to take the word of Jesus, to cast it extravagantly and then wait for the Holy Spirit of Jesus to bring about the harvest of Jesus that God desires. Now, I want to be careful about this. This is one parable out of 60-some that Jesus taught. There are other parables that speak about planning, about stewardship, about wisdom, about making the best use of kingdom resources. We selected Port Orchard as our church plant site because we believe it will be the most fertile. But this parable calls us to take risks to throw ourselves kind of with abandon into what may not seem obviously fruitful just because we have a great God who wants to surprise us with a harvest. And I think that this passage that, that I've just described, this, the, the heart of this parable describes the heart of beyond these walls, which is what captured your hearts. This willingness to bust through the doors and beyond our walls and to move out of our comfort zone and to take some wild hair risks. Not because we can confidently predict a great return on investment, but because that's the nature of the gospel. It is wild. It is untamed. It is risky and unpredictable. Two years ago when we began talking, and I spoke with you in family, in town hall meetings and gatherings, we were talking about this, and we talked about doubling down on our commitments beyond these walls with great partners. We said, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are plenty of organizations that are doing great work. We want to target those, partner with those who are already doing great work in the name of Christ, that they might do more. And I spoke specifically about Fish Food Bank. How many remember me mentioning that in my talk? Fish Food Bank. Jan and Ron Cohen. 43 years ago, Jan felt a, a pull of the Holy Spirit to reach out to the Christian church and to Christians in our community and our region and to pool our resources and our efforts that we might care for the the hungry and the poor and the disenfranchised of our community. And it has been a remarkable, remarkable journey. 43 years. One of the great things is, is that Fish has been unapologetic in its Christian convictions. Unapologetic in a time when, when other uh, organizations are abandoning ship. Fish has stuck to their Christian convictions. And I just, and I love the fact that they require that their board members and, and, and they, of course, are committed to Christ and yet they're willing to give help, aid to anyone who comes in, regardless of who they are, what they are, what they believe. I think that is pure gospel. It is pure gospel. And we are so honored this morning to welcome Ron and Jen Cohen to be with us. I want them to share something of what Fish is doing, and I want you to welcome some Gig Harbor heroes up to the front here. (laughs) (laughs) You you love being called heroes, I know. Oh, yeah, right. 
Yeah. Well, the real heroes are right out there, and the people in the community and our 250 volunteers who make fish happen. Yeah. They're the real heroes. So I'm looking at the fish on your chest right now. When other organizations have abandoned their Christian moorings, you have doubled down on that. Could you talk about that and what that means to you? Well, as you've implied, too, sometimes it's tough to be a Christian, and it was certainly tough during the second century when this really got started, when they were using the fish symbol. And uh, you had to be careful what you said and who you said it to. So if you were to meet somebody walking along the road and you didn't know them, one of the ways in which you would establish the safety zone would be you'd do something like maybe you'd make a half of an arc in the sand. And then the other person, they would do that. That would complete the fish symbol. And if you did that, you knew you were on safe ground. So that same thing extends today. Today, people need safe ground a safe place they can go, where they're not going to be judged, where they're going to get the kind of help that they need. And that's the sort of thing that happens at FISH. It's a safe place to come when you need help. It's also a place where volunteers get a chance to live out their faith by doing, as St. Francis says, and preaching the gospel at all times, and when necessary, using words. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you're called Fish Food Bank, and yet there's way more than just distribution of food that you all do. Could you share oh, some of what bet. you do, Jen? When we first started, in, 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 we had started out with about 15 people representing the various churches. And we had no clue how God would bless us and bless this community. More and more people donated, more and people uh, volunteered. The more funds that came in, the more we looked in the community and found out where there were needs. And so now we have uh, financial aid that we help with. We help with student education for college or trade schools. Um, If a student needs um, gas for their vehicle to get to school or tolls for the bridge or uh, uniforms or clothing that they need for their specific field, we're helping with that. We also help with the GED costs, just whatever that comes in. We also help with small household goods, uh, gently used clothing. We do emergency transportation to chemo and radiation, to medical appointments, um, and uh, sometimes to the food bank if a person doesn't have a car. We have, um, what else? Um, <laughs> well, you just, you, just some, lots, yeah. you just had some, some graduates. You bet. Yeah, we do uh, with the college program or the student program. We had nine students graduate. They're going on to um, earn their living. We gave them a fishing pole instead of a fish. Yeah. And they're yeah. the first in their family, right? They're That's first right. in oh, their yeah. family. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And you've been carrying it all in the last 19 years in some kind of cramped facilities, haven't you? Well, it's not exactly cramped. It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's four old buildings that are hooked together, one of them being the old Gig Harbor Theater. And uh, it really needs – we need more space. We're stumbling over each other. And we were recently the recipients of some property from Pierce Transit. It was a gift. It was a gift, right, from Pierce Transit. In fact, I think we have it. There it is. Yeah, you'll see it. It's right at the end of Hunt Street, just where it intersects with Highway 16. That's TCC to the left there. Right. And on the left, uh, you'll you'll see an outlined yellow portion. That's it. That's 1.1 acres. And uh, we got that from Pierce Transit, and uh, and that was transferred to the city. And Spencer... Hutchins, your Spencer Hutchins, he had a heck of a lot to do with making this happen. So I, we really appreciate what your guy has done for us. So now we have to figure out how we're going to get to the point where we can build for the next 40 years. 
because we just don't have the space to do the kinds of things that we need to do right now. We could do so much more if we had this kind of space so available. So tell me, what would you be dreams? What would this new facility that we're looking at renderings of, what would that accomplish for well, you? This new building, we looked at to have uh, 7,500 square feet, and that will give us uh, you know, a regular grocery store where people can come in and basically just shop, uh, warehouse spaces, office spaces. Uh, also, we want to be able to have a place for social agencies to come and be there on a regular basis so people don't have to try to go to Bremerton or Tacoma in order to get uh, assistance. So, Separate clothing area? Yeah, yeah. separate clothing mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. So this is a very exciting uh, future for you. In fact, it's pretty mm-hmm. close to us, which would be convenient for mm-hmm. us to be yeah. more yeah. involved. Uh, Chapel Hill folks are already a part yeah. of that. So right. I, I, I know that you agree with me because I sense from uh, your response that, uh, that Fish Food Bank represents the epitome of a beyond-these-walls kind of a f- focus, doesn't it? Uh, we, we love what they're doing. We love the fact we've already been partnered with you in a significant way. But it is really our desire to partner in significant, even more significant ways with organizations just like yours. And so I am pleased to tell you that the elders of this church have determined that we are going to make a commitment to your new building. It'll be a lead gift. We want to be the first one out of the shoe to make their lead <laughs> commitment of $100,000 to your fish food bank. Thank you. <laughs> so, a year a year from now, when we paid off our last debt, uh, you're going to be among the very first commitment that we make to fulfill this dream of partnering with great organizations in our community, and we are excited. Furthermore, we're going to make it a matching gift because we want to approach all of the other churches in our community and invite them to join us to match this uh, together so that we can do something that unites the Christian community. That's perfect. Thank you so much for this, and thank you for all you've already done. We've been in, you've been involved with Fish Food Bank for a lot of time, long time. Many of you are volunteers, and that is wonderful. When you're when you're working there, stocking shelves, uh, taking people to the doctor, or whatever, and you're doing it with other people who share your belief system, that's really important. We also. Uh, know that things like you, the work you've been doing through your Titus ministry, that's really helpful because that helps us spread our dollars farther uh, as, as we help people. And I think the example that you were setting with getting beyond your walls, getting outside of the box, that's something that the whole community needs to know. All of us need to be that way, where we are reaching beyond ourselves, where we are really throwing that seed out there. We're not just dribbling it along. So thank you for doing that. Thank you when for the many ways. When started in 1967 in England, the idea was for that, from that church in England that they wanted to get their faith off its seat and onto its feet. Mm-hmm. And so they moved out into the community, and that's what the, <laughs> this program does. <laughs> well, I, I can tell how excited you are about this, uh, this opportunity, this partnership. This is not the elders who have done this. The elders have simply done what you said you wanted to do by your generosity. So thank you for you. We've got one more year to go. We've got to finish our way across the finish line. But I hope that you are really excited about this and the other things that we're going to be able to do because we're getting rid of that debt and moving beyond these walls as never before. So, Jan, would you close us uh, in yeah. prayer? I would, we would all oh. really appreciate that. Father God, we humbly come to you and we give you praise and glory because we could never have imagined your love and your blessings and your faithfulness. Walk with us, Father God. Help us to fulfill these 
aims to pay off a debt, to build a new building, to help your people, the least of these who don't feel loved, help us to make this a place of concern and love and caring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.